you say to me, well, Pastor, I, I do trust the Bible. Of course you do, except when doubt creeps in, except when things are just not developing like you thought they should develop. I mean, you got your stakes down, but I think God wants us to get our sails up. We've entered a season now of, in December, in which the focus of things become very concentrated in relationship to an amazing event and how that God became man. And so this month, the overarching of my messages are going to have to do with life, hope, in truth, life, hope, and truth. And hopefully, uh, as we, uh, each one will have that element of life and hope, and you'll discover truth uh, in it. It was the prophet Joel that said God would pour out his spirit, and he said that there were some identifying characteristics of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The first one, he said there would be prophecy. And so you say, Pastor, what is prophecy? Well, prophecy is just not, you know, one-dimensional from that standpoint because the book of Revelation says that the, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And so the one thing that will begin to happen when the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, begin to touch in our lives and we, we, we sense it and feel it as part upon the church, as part of, out upon the receiver, you know what I mean? The, the, the testimony of Jesus Christ is going to come forth in your life. It's going to begin to be on your lips. You're going to talk about him. He's going to come to the forefront, you know, of your life. He's not going to be just something in your bag, but he's going to be your life because he is life. He is the foundation of life. And then he said, not only that, you know, will Jesus become a a premium in your conversations, but he said that you're going to begin to uh, 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 have dreams and visions You're going to become, you know, uh, not backward thinkers, but forward thinkers. It's just not going to be memory in your life. You know what I mean? It's going to be anticipation in your life. Hallelujah. Now, he's just not discounting any of those things, but he says, you know, you're going to get some dreams and some visions that happen. Things that come from the Spirit of the Lord. Things that pertain to, you know, His kingdom. How many have those? All right, praise God. You begin to, you know, anticipate things. Your old men are going to dream dreams and your young men are going to see visions. I think that's more than just something that happens, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 as a picture that flashes through your mind. I think it's a, a message from God. That's what dreams and visions are, or messages from God. Whether they're just personal, you know what I mean, or have a broader spectrum to them. They may include you, you know, or they may include others. So, Those are some of the characteristics of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. I think it's what it really is amounts to it's fresh updates. Yeah. Fresh updates begin to happen and take place in our lives, in our churches, you know, in our communities, in our area. We, 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 get, we get a vision. We get a perspective. We discover a purpose, and, you know, we find our place. You know, isn't that something that God can be doing? Wonderful things all over the world, and yet somehow 
where do I fit? Where's my story as we've been talking about? Well, it's all of a sudden you find your part in the overall plan of, of God. It begins to have definition. You're not just a good girl who's found a mate for your life and the marriage has not yet come. And you get an appearance of the angelic host into your life and definition and specifics begin to come together. And sometimes they're so amazing and just, just seem out of context that, it, that they're hard to believe. And it takes some explanations. You know what I'm talking about, but Mary's no exception. It's time to find favor that breaks the borders of our limitations. Somebody help me out here. Hallelujah. The confinements sometimes that our history has confined us to. Our song says we're going to enlarge. Everybody say enlarge. Enlarge. Hallelujah. We're going to enlarge. God's in the enlargement business. God's in the increase and the multiplication business. Your territory, your ministry, your lot, your territory, it's bigger than what you think. It's more productive than what you've experienced. Because it's connected to the almighty God. Hallelujah. Almighty God. This morning I want to talk to you about the prophecies of the birth of Christ and why you can trust the Bible. And you say to me, well, pastor, I I do trust the Bible. (coughs) Of course you do. Except when doubt creeps in. (laughs) You know? Except when things are just not developing like you thought they should develop. I mean, you got your stakes down. But I think God wants us to get our sails up. Somebody give the Lord a praise. <laughs> I, I'm not going to give up on my faith. Not at all. But I said, well, God is just not about what he's done for me yesterday. He says, I want you to get your sails up. And why can you raise your sails in a seemingly, you know, Society that devalues Jesus. Today, or this past week, a verdict came down from a judge with regard to a school who, since 1970, have, has had a live nativity. And one boy and one man, son and a father, took him to court, and the judge says, it's too Christian. They're afraid of Jesus. They're afraid of Jesus. And so, did you know that he was born in dangerous times? There were warring factions throughout Israel. Radical groups. The Bible mentions one of them, and they're called zealots. 
They were basically terrorists. He was born into the season when the Pharisees, they would just be glad to stone a sinner. The Sadducees, they, they were a liberal part of the society. Rome, of course, was an oppressor. They had moral issues, social problems. Hearts had turned from God. You say, Pastor, how do you know their hearts were turned from God? Because God sent John the Baptist to start to get the hearts turned back. So their hearts were turned away from God. The decisions that was affecting the people was, were being made in the marble buildings. Half a world away, Rome, Rome was deciding what was going to take place. Nothing in the world is foreign or unknown to him. Mary and Joseph were refugees, fleeing for their life. All the while, being vessels of deliverance and mercy. Jesus Christ is about the infusion of life. It's not just a remarkable story, but it's an infusion of life. And we've got to admit this morning that the problem that has always existed still exists, and that is the weakness of the flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's why we need Jesus. We need someone in our life. The Bible says the law was good and powerful and perfect. But the weakness was was in the, when you try to put it together with the flesh. And so Jesus came to go ahead and remedy that situation. There is false gods and there's true gods. We're going to get going. How do you know a false god? He can't tell the end from the beginning or the beginning from the end or nothing in between. In Isaiah chapter 41, it says, God says to the false gods, let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things that were, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare to us the things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Yes, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and see it all together. Indeed, he says, you you are nothing and your work is nothing. Then he goes on to talk about who he is. Who is declared from the beginning that we may know and the former things that we may say he is righteous. Let's look at a true God. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. How? Why is he God? I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. And that's where we're going to go this morning. 
that he has declared things that had not yet been done. My counsel shall stand, and I will do my pleasure. The early church confirmed the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah by some very interesting things. They appealed to his miracles, his wonders, and his signs. How do we know that Jesus, this Jesus, is the Messiah? By his Signs, his wonders, and his miracles. Acts chapter 2. Hear the words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. The credibility. Hebrews chapter 2, 3 and 4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. His resurrection. Him being delivered by the determined purposes and foreknowledge of God. God is raised up having loosed the pains of death. So it was the miracles. It was the evidence. It was the character of his life, the way he lived, included his birth and the fulfillment of prophecy, but an incredible line of evidence. John, after having declared that he was the one in a very low time in his life, sitting in prison, He said, I need some evidence. I've been in the midst of it, but there's a time in my life I need some evidence. Are you the one or should I look for another? He didn't say, just go tell him I'm the one. He said, no, go tell him that the blind receive their sight. (laughs) Amen. The lame are walking. The deaf are hearing. And that the dead are being raised. Credible evidence. Now, I know as a church, we believe all those things, but, you know, it just might be possible that in the days ahead that you're going to have to have some evidence. There's some tremendous evidence in the scriptures. The road signs that identify. They give predictions. There's warnings and promises. So that we can know that he is the Messiah. What we're going to look at is history in advance. The journey. So that souls that have been damaged can be healed. The repair can come into our lives. That which sin has done, that which wrong advice has done, that which seemingly odd journeys that have left damage in people's souls. It covers up to this moment, somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,500 years. You know, there's no specifics that we can give you, but we do know that there's just 400 years between the end of the old and the beginning of the new. That's a long time. That's a long time. But we begin... The fall of mankind, a paradise ruined. 
as Adam and Eve sought to live independently of, from God and sent into the human race, a place where life once reigned, death now rules, a place where joy and pleasure abounded, pain is now introduced, where there used to be joy in the occupation with abundance, now it's more difficult and toil. Pain with childbirth. Perfect fellowship with God was once taken place. Now we see alienation. We see fear. We see blame. We see hiding. Everybody trying to cover up their nakedness. Everybody trying to make excuses, you know, and not feel guilty. And God begins to give a detailed signs of there's hope on the horizon. So roadside number one, thousands of years before it took place, the seed of a woman. You know it. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise your heel. All of a sudden, the first flicker and glim of, of the gospel. It's only in an embryo f- form, but there it is. Hope for mankind with a promise mingled with hostility, mingled with struggle, but there it shines. It's not uncommon for promises to be accompanied by struggle and opposition. No. God says there's going to be a seed that's going to be born and then he begins to give us some identity so we can know really is this a seed or not? He said it's godly. It's a godly seed. You see it up there She bore a son and named him Seth, for God had appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. The enemy has always been after the seed, the godly seed. Remember when Jesus approached, you know, the people of his day, and he said, you're of your father, the devil, who was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He was referencing the Cain and Abel, the lie in the garden and the Cain and Abel conflict as the enemy, the devil, endeavors to snuff out the seed, the godly seed. It appears that success has been accomplished until Seth is born. (laughs) And it says that men begin to call on the name of the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's this broadness, you know. A godly seed was born that began to influence men. Because men begin to call, call on the name of the Lord. God has given me another one. 
He has set, he has placed, he has appointed. Now out of Seth, of course, the next one is Shem. He's the one that covered his father's nakedness. It says in Genesis 9, 26, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. and May Canaan be his servant. Out of relationship, Shem has this fortune of being in the line of this, the seed of a woman. We are talking about thousands of years. And all of a sudden, we have life going on. And then God calls Abraham, roadside number three. The call of Abraham and the establishing of a, of a covenant. I mean, God begins to expand on the plan of the seed of a woman. What's that mean? So he begins to show us more clearly. As he makes his covenant with Abraham, and Abraham responds with faith. And as we go along, we discover the more specifics Because here's what he says. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you and I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so all of a sudden God says, you know, there's a specific land. There's a specific nation. And I'm about to include everybody. He knew all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Your seed, that seed that we talked about in Genesis chapter, you know, three, now all of a sudden has become a channel of blessing to the entire world. And we know that to be true because we go back to Luke chapter two. The angel says, I'll bring you Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Oh, hallelujah. The true God. The true God. The involvement of God. Road sign number four in Isaac and his descendants, a specific offspring. How you can know that he is the Messiah if you trace him from beginning to his coming. The signs were there. There was a few people that got it, but the majority of people didn't get it. It says that the world by wisdom knew not God. Don't expect the world to point you, you know, to God. They're not going to point you to Jesus Christ. They don't know him. One of the greatest challenges is how to, is to live in the world and not be part of the world. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I don't have a clear-cut answer. You know? I just have to start every day with him. Isaac had two, or eight, uh, yes, Isaac had two sons. He pleaded with God. You know, God... Let's just work with what we got. Come on, church, follow me here. Let's just work with what we got. Can't you, can't you use Ishmael? Isaac hasn't come along yet. Can't you use Ishmael? Can't you use this setup? God says, no. And Isaac, your seed's going to be. Because it's by promise and by faith. It's not by 
human engineering. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, Ishmael was human engineering. They connected human, human engineering with God divine design. don't work. God says that that's, that's not how it will flow. Now Ishmael had many blessings for his life. But if you want to find the Messiah, don't look at the lineage of Ishmael. Look at the lineage of Isaac. And then roadside number five, Jacob and Esau. Specifically. And out of Jacob's 12 sons. But then he says in Genesis 49... It'll come from the tribe of Judah. Oh, the beauty of why he's God and the true God. Because he tells the end from the beginning. And he tells things that have not yet happened. You know what I mean? Before they even happen. That's a good thing, God's eternal. Because his promises cover a lot of time. As we would say, there's a lot of water under the bridge. <laughs> but notice the design and how he's watching it. Two nations are in your womb. The older shall serve the younger. Twelve sons with the tribe of Judah. All of a sudden, comes into the picture where the kingdom begins to come into view just a little bit. Because he moves from, you know, the family, you know, the tribes, to the family. Judah's got a lot of families in it. Which family? The family of Jesse. The family of Jesse. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. It says in Isaiah chapter 11, I think we have it up there, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. You say, Pastor, what has that got to do with me? That's his history of a thousand years ago. Because he says, I want you to know that I am God, and I am God alone. I am God and I am God alone. And the details, they're in my hand. Leave them up to me. Hallelujah. I appoint, I shut up, and I make. Notice it. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is 
a resting place. How do I know that he is God? By the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. You know what I mean? Not only the family of Jesse, but number eight is in the person of David. Whose or which son? This is all important because he's developing the kingdom concept and idea. That is eventually pointing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one that will sit upon David's throne, of course, which is Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what it looked like to the people? As all of this was taking place, now, mind you, you are looking at it and you've got a road map. We don't have a road map, but we're illuminated and enlightened. But they were in the journey of trying to discover. Just like we try to discover when God gives us a promise. It doesn't always look factual. Fact is, it can actually look bleak from time to time. You have to have a roadmap that you trust your life to. To move on, because you could develop David, you know, but it's, it's a kingdom now. So we know the line, we know when, we know where, and we know how. Just wondering where I should put that. I want to show you the handiwork of God. Israel wanted a king. David is not ready to be king. He's too young. He's not ready to be king. So, and there's some factors why it won't work for him to be the next king. Because in Genesis chapter 38, we have the account of the sin of Judah. Judah has offended God in God's law by having an illegitimate child named Perez, his firstborn. Deuteronomy 23 says that an illegitimate son cannot enter the congregation of the Lord until the 10th generation. Jesse, the father of David, was the descendant of Perez, and he was the ninth generation. <laughs> so God allows to put in place King Saul while David is going, is coming of age to become, you know, 
the rightful heir to the throne. You see, God can keep his promise even if somebody messes up. <laughs> somebody give a lot of praise. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Jesus came even though Adam messed it up. He orchestrated it. He made sure that it come to pass that in the seed of a woman shall be blessed. And so time period, and then David takes the throne. Let me throw this in while we're at this point. The house of David had degenerated to an amazing degree to the point as the enemy was endeavoring to kill the royal seed, to, and let me, let me go this way now, to kill the royal promise. To kill the royal promise. So the promise was that, that David would always have someone to sit on the throne. Well, there was a, a real wicked woman named Athaliah. She was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Her son was killed, and so she was quite angry. And she wanted to secure the throne for Ahab. And so she set about to kill all the king's sons. And a little old woman, I don't know how old she was, but Josh, let me get it here. It's one of those names I can't hardly pronounce, but Jehoshaphat, she went ahead and she took one of the king's sons. His name was Joash. She ran with him and hid him in the temple. One seed. The promise was down to one seed. For six years, for six years, she hid him in the temple. And they tell us that was a storage room <laughs> to keep him hid because Athaliah would kill him. And after six years, the priest devised a scheme to bring the promised king into the open. Hallelujah. The devil is always trying to get your seed. But God's into preservation. God said, he, 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 gives a, he gives us, you know, reason to be righteous and reason to follow God and reason to obey God. He says, I kinda, I'm just going to keep it because I, I made a promise to Abraham. There's all kinds of troubled people in between, but we're going to see to it that the promise I made is, is fulfilled. And then of all of David's sons, God says, Solomon is, is the one Roadside number 10, the Messiah was to, preceded, to be preceded by a forerunner. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. 
And then the Messiah is supposed to be born in a, by a miracle to, in a virgin birth. The Lord himself shall give you a sign, and behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. God saw to it that no imposter could break in. No imposter can sit upon the throne. I know what, church. Yes, the Bible says that you know, the world is going to be deceived, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know what I mean, that, that you know, the Antichrist, and, you know, and, and he's trying to set himself up as, uh, up as God. Well, we got a roadmap. And if he didn't come down that road, then he's a liar. And he's a murderer. Aren't you glad that you can trust the Bible today? When God says, I'm going to do this, I want you to know God's going to do it. Quit interpreting life. Let God interpret it. Pay attention. (laughs) Because you have to navigate it. It happened just like he said, by whom he said, in the way that he said. But the world by wisdom did not recognize God. But some wise men who had committed themselves to study read, you know, not just the stars, but read about a star that would appear when a new king came on the scene. And they begin to follow it. There is always a directional star in your life. Let me tell you that again. There is always a directional star in your life. Thank God. As my musicians come this morning, is it is that correct time? As I was preparing this and as I felt the Lord speaking to my heart, you know what I mean? It's, this is not a history lesson. This is a lesson about preparation. We're not fearful of tomorrow, but we need to be informed. And we're going to have to go back at various times in our life when it seems the promise has died and look at the road signs and put our trust in the one that made the road sign and pay attention to the road sign so we know if we're on the right road.
prophetic promises of the first proclamation of the gospel was Genesis chapter 3, the seed of a woman. The declaration of a prophet that would come like Moses, like his brethren. He's the one. He's the mediator. The incarnation of the Messiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A child has been born, but this child has had a prior I'm not going to say beginning because he has no beginning. A son has been given. The cross, of course, is when the sacrifice was given, but when that miraculous birth began to take place, God was already giving his son. A son has been given. Divineness has married together with humanness. And you get God-likeness. Hallelujah. And now, follow it, you get God-likeness. Because there's something greater about the divine than there is about the human. You believe this morning, you believe in the virgin birth, you believe all that, but God wrote it. God says he would ride on a foal of a donkey. Stand with me this morning. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Because he's coming to you in humility. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, your king is coming. He's just having salvation lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. He said he was coming the first time. And the road signs begin to be laid out. And as it drew nearer and nearer, the development of it, the specifics of it became clearer and clearer. The identity of the promise. He said, I'm coming the second time. I'm coming the second time. The first time I've come, I I come to bring salvation. The next time that I'm coming, I'm coming to take you out of here. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. We're not into the millennium yet, church. No, amen. I'm coming to take you out of here. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a voice, with the trumpet of God, the sound and the magnitude of an archangel and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and the, those that are living and remain are going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. He says, I gave you signs and they missed it. I'm giving you signs that I'm coming. Don't miss it. 
looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Somebody has got to have an eye for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That day shall not come until these various things begin to happen. As it begins to narrow down, it was in broad form, wickedness, evil. And all of a sudden, it gets being channeled closer and closer. You know, identity and, you know what I mean? We can see the development of it. Let's wipe out God's seed. Let <laughs> me know you're God's seed. Huh? That's right. Let's wipe out God's seed. Let's channel him down. Let's restrict him. Not while I'm alive. <laughs> it's okay. Come on, make a stand. Not while you're alive. You're not going to stamp it out. Not while I'm alive. Joshua made the declaration. The Hebrew children made the declaration. Oh, church. You can believe the Bible. You can trust the Bible. If he said it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse. But he also, if he said the church is going to be glorious, then the church is going to be glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It seems like it's always worse. Or as the old phrase says, it's always darkest before the dawn. Hallelujah. He has not lost his throne. He has not lost his throne. Should we sing, Brandon? Amen. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, glory to God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But you can hear what the, what the Spirit is saying. I've given you signposts. I, I, you know, historically, I've shown you that I am God. And that what I've said is true. Notice the signposts of the day. I am not of those... I am not pleased with those who draw back. Church, don't draw back. But I am pleased with those who believe unto the saving of the soul. They're going to run it to the end. Glory to God. Take the live nativity scenes away. You can't take the live Jesus out of my life. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. I'll tell you, that, that's what God is saying. We, we, don't, we need to be aware of what they're doing, but we should not get bent out of shape what they're doing. We need to get in shape for what God is doing. Amen. Hallelujah. What God is doing. So I'm about to send a revival. Joash is about to come out of the storage room. Hallelujah. The seed. The one that he thought was, you know what I mean? They were all gone. They were dead. Oh, yes, you know about the cross. And they tell you that, that he stood there, no doubt, and the, the darkness's power was in glee and happiness over that the Messiah is dead. But the third day, things the earth began to quake and you can't hold him back church you can't hold Jesus back no but you can participate with him glory to God you can participate with him 
glory to God. I tell you what we need. We need some women. And not I'm just women, but, but men like Joshua is willing to protect, willing to go, you know, the dangerous smile. And save some seeds for next oh, for next generations. We gotta have some next generations. Let's look how society is playing out, just like it did when Jesus was here. Who do men say I am? You hear it all the time. He's a good man. He's a prophet. Yeah, he was. Who do you say I am? He said, You're Jesus. He goes on to explain that how he was God. Simon, do you know where you got that from? Oh, church, do you know where you got it from? If you know who Jesus really is, do you know where you got it from? The Father, the Father has illuminated you. Somebody may have went ahead and spoken the word, but somehow the revelation of it, you know, was a divine act of God. That's why we as a church, you know, at one time we need to fall on our knees and the next time we needed to get our timbrels and we need to dance because we know who Jesus is. We know who he is. Listen, don't get mad at the world. Get mad at the devil. Get mad at the devil. He's, they're just pawns. He's just using them. For you don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places. You don't fight a spiritual battle with natural means. You fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God through the pulling down of the strongholds of every high, you know, an imagination that exalts itself against God. God says the first thing that you need to do in your battle with the enemy is get your thinking right. Pull down. Pull down those unbeliefs. Pull down, you know, those doubts. Get rid of them. Glory to God. And you'll begin to release an artillery. It's called faith. Hallelujah. Now well, we got to close. I can't do it. Amen. Father, I ask you this morning that we won't leave this place and go back to the norm that we had yesterday. I pray for myself. I pray for your people that there will be a fresh infusion of love or of life. Obviously of love, God. But divine life will come to the empty tombs, the whited sepulchers. Father, the casual believers In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. All right. As you go, 
I want you to put a smile on your face. Hey, man. Don't. Someone preached a sermon that said the devil can't steal your joy. He can't take your goods. Get your joy back. Hallelujah. As long as Moses' hands were lifted up in the air, the battle went their way. And I was asking God, you know, I mean, I know the story, but how does that play? He says, as long as you're reaching for me and depending upon me, the battle's going to go your way. But as long as you just drop your hands to your side, you know what I mean? And just kind of, you know, just be yourself and do your own thing. The battle won't go your way. But it'll go your way if you just reach up. and, Amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. I can't close, so. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash biblectr. Thank you.